People who are deeply happy have a belief in a benevolent universe. Einstein said that the most important question that you can ask yourself is, is this a friendly universe? Coming up, learn the secrets to happiness from best-selling author Marcy Shimoff. Next on Change Nation from First30Days.com. This Change Nation podcast is presented by City. City never sleeps. Welcome to the first 30 days. I'm Ariane, and I am very excited today to be interviewing Marcy Shimoff. She is one of the nation's leading motivational experts. She's the president and co-founder of the Esteem Group. Her books have sold more than 13 million copies worldwide in 33 languages. They've been on the New York Times bestseller list for, I believe, a total of 108 weeks. She was also recently in the movie The Secret. She has an MBA and a whole host of other accolades, awards, talents. Marcy, it's a pleasure to be able to chat with you today. Oh, it's lovely to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. So one of the things I would love us to just dig into immediately, given your background and your experience and your skills and talent, what is it that helps someone through any life change? I'm going to give you three things that I believe are just absolutely fundamental for creating any change. The first one is to take baby steps. Um, If you jump in headfirst and want to just change everything right away, there tends to be a resistance that that the brain um, puts up as a shield. So what I've found is that if we just take it easy and recognize that if we approach change in small, gradual ways, that we're able to fly under our brains, what what we call fear radar. And we can just go, okay, I'm making a little change today and a little change tomorrow. And after 30 days, you find that tremendous change has been made rather than jumping in head first and and lasting only two or three days. Mm -hmm. So the old saying, slow and steady wins the race, uh, I think applies as it relates to change. And it's neurophysiological because we, we actually, it allows us to, to uh, not create such resistance to change. Great. Um, the second thing that I suggest people do is I have a little formula for, for manifesting anything in life. You mentioned, uh, as you mentioned, I was in the film The Secret, and, uh, which is about the law of attraction. And I absolutely know that anything that we've manifested in our lives, we have either consciously or unconsciously used the principles of the law of attraction, which basically says that whatever we think, feel, say, and do, we, we draw to us. And I have a formula for the law of attraction that I found really works well. It's a very simple formula that three steps that rhyme. And it's intention, attention, and no tension. Hmm. So I really have found that the best three steps to creating change are to use this simple formula. Um, the first step is intention. Be clear on what change it is that you want to make. Be very clear. What is it that you intend to have uh, different in your life? Then the second step is attention. Put your thoughts, your words, your feelings, and your actions all in alignment with that intention. So in other other words, your attention consists of your thoughts, your words, your feelings, and your actions. So if you're intending to, um, to get a new job, 
be very clear about what intention that is, as crystal clear as you can be about what kind of new job you'd like. And then put your attentions, your thoughts, your words, your feelings, and your actions behind it. So speak in positive terms about getting that new job. Visualize yourself seeing yourself in that new job. Um, Just allow everything, feel yourself in that new job. And then finally, the third step of the formula, the, the law of attraction formula that I use, is no tension. And that is relax, let go, trust that the universe is, um, is always out to take care of you and support you. And this is the step that most people have a problem with, to be honest. A lot of people are good at getting their intention clear. They're good at putting their attention on it. But they, they hold on like bulldogs rather than just relax and trust, let go. Yeah. What for for people out there um, who are wondering how long do they need to do this? They're, we're a culture of impatience and immediate results. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I can have my intention on a new job and put my attention and try and be relaxed, and after three days, I'm like not working. I'm trying something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, how long does it take? How often do you have to brush your teeth? Get your teeth teeth clean. (laughs) It's an everyday system. It's not just oh, I brushed my teeth three times and my cavities aren't gone. You know, it's it doesn't work that way. What I've found, and as you know, I've been researching. I spent the first part of my career researching successful people, and I found that success leaves clues. There's an old saying that success leaves clues, and you can study the habits of successful people and find out how they became successful. And and nowadays my research has shifted to happiness and and happiness leaves clues as well. And what I found is that people who are both successful and happy have different habits than other people. So it's not just a one-day, two-day, three-day thing. However, what I also have found is that if you take baby steps and you do it consistently over a period of 30 days, you tend to have formed new habits, and these new habits will then um, allow you to more easily uh, to repeat these behaviors after your first 30 days. So I love your program of first 30 days because I, I found that 30 days is really what it takes to get things jump-started. Yep. Marcy, I want to come back to your third. So you said baby steps, law of attraction, Maybe what would be your third? Law of attraction, and the third is creating support. Hmm. Um, truly, if you want to more easily sustain new habits, it's easier to do it with a buddy or with yep. a support system around you. And I, I have always relied on great either mentors or friends or, or support group to help me through change. How do you know if someone is really a good support? I think a lot of people might gravitate towards friends, loved ones, people they know. Mm-hmm. Are, are they the best support or yeah. are we talking something larger? Well, it's it's uh, not always. Sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. And the way you can do this, I, I recommend that when you're – there's a principle that I've found in in interviewing more recently these happy people, and that is that, that – as you move to what what expands you makes you happier Hmm. and what i suggest that people do is that they create a little self-assessment you can just put a little chart on a piece of paper a little t-graph and at the top of one side you put the word expansion at the top of the other side you put the word contraction and you make a list of all the things 
that expand you in life, that make you feel more expanded, that you feel are moving you in the right direction. And we all have an inner inner GPS, an inner guidance system that allows us to know what's expanding us and what's contracting us. Our bodies tell us. And then you make a list of all the things that are contracting you and include on that list the people that expand you and the people that contract you. Yep. And then the people you want to surround yourself with to support you are the people who expand you. Love it. And they may, may or may not be your friends or family members. Often our friends and our family are so concerned about us being disappointed mm-hmm. that they, they tend to um, point out all the problems or possible failures we could experience mm-hmm. out of that fear of, oh, no, we don't, want to dis- we don't want you to be disappointed, so let's not support you in your big dreams. It's exactly the wrong approach. They're doing it out of love, but it's, it's the wrong approach. Yep. What do you feel is the role of um, spirituality, people believing that there's something bigger going on in addition to their change, something that they can get beyond just themselves? Oh, I love that question. Um, in the research that I did on happy people, and I interviewed 100 unconditionally happy people, people that I call happy for no reason, hmm. and I found that there were three guiding principles that guided them. And the first one we've, we've talked about, it's what expands you, makes you happier. They moved in the direction of expansion. And the second one was um, the law of attraction. What you appreciate appreciates. What, what they put their attention on is what, exp- what, mm-hmm. what moved them in the direction of, that they wanted to go. But the third principle relates to this question. And uh, the third principle is that the universe is out to support me. Mm-hmm. People who are deeply happy have a belief in a benevolent universe. And uh, Einstein said that the most important question that you can ask yourself is, is this a friendly universe? Mm -hmm. And happy people, truly deeply happy people, all answered absolutely in the Mm -hmm. affirmative that that there is a, a, a force some people call it God, some call it spirit, some call it the unified field, um, some call it the divine mother. I don't care what you call it, but it's a force that's bigger than ourselves and that it's friendly. And yep. the, its greatest interest is to be there to support us. So no matter what happens in life, this is a friendly universe and that, that happy people truly and successful people, I believe, look at whatever happens as a gift or a blessing. Oh. I love what you're saying. I have a chapter in my book that is what I call the change guarantee, which is that life is life is on your side, and from this situation or this change, something good will come. Yeah. And, and just it is the people I've interviewed and seen who are going through change, mm-hmm. they will get through it better, easier, with that very firm belief in mind. Yes. Very, and, and very interesting parallel. It, you know, I, 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 I so um, know that, that, that there is this friendly universe and that when you feel that and you take that approach, then there's a lot more support behind you. You're not just there on your own doing your own thing, but there's, there's this universal support behind you. There's also something else, though, that I, I think is important, and that is there is something I believe is in timing or divine timing. Um, So I think that we tend to force our own will uh, a bit much on what's to happen. And life is cyclical. And the the, the cycles of of progress move in cycles of rest and activity. So sometimes 
we're pushing a little too hard and it's time for us to just step back a bit and and take a rest and there's you know there's that saying that there's a time for every in for every season and i believe it's true in terms of change and progress as well so yeah. sometimes it's not just all about being active 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 sometimes it's also really about stepping back and taking a little bit of a breather yeah have you seen in the research you've done and what you've written have you seen any any typical steps that people go through when they're going through change or do you think everyone's unique and some people have an easier time in the first week some people have a much easier time towards the end if i'm just looking at the first 30 days as a as mm-hmm. a time period well, I do think there's always individual variety, um, but I think as a general trend, what I see is that um, the first days are the hardest, and then you gather momentum, mm-hmm. and usually by day 21, it feels much more automatic, and it's because your brain is actually rewiring. I, I The most exciting field of research out there right now is a field called neuroplasticity that's um, the brain researchers are showing how how our brains do actually rewire themselves through our habits, and that it was thought that we couldn't change our old habits, or you can't teach an old dog new tricks, or we can't change the brain, and that's entirely wrong. I, I recently just saw the most exciting film where I, I saw new synapses being created in the brain. It, it, mm-hmm. it was a moving picture of the brain, and it was thrilling to see that and to see old synapses dying off through lack of attention. So truly, we are creatures of habit, and when we create these new habits, we strengthen or create new neural pathways, and when we eliminate our old habits, we dissolve old pathways. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why over time, things truly do become easier. Marcy, what was the name of the film? I don't know. No. Um, I saw it in a seminar that was uh, given by a man named Joe Dispenza, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a, he's written a book called Evolve Your Brain, and I don't know where he got that film, wow. but it was fascinating. We'll, we'll definitely look into it. Yeah. I want to look at, um, I want us to focus a little bit on uh, the new book that you have coming out, Happy mm-hmm. for No Reason, mm-hmm. Seven Steps to Being Happier Right Now, which um, is due January 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, just thinking about the first 30 days of being happier, I don't think there's anyone that probably would resist that or there are, are ways for people to create habits, create behaviors that do make them happy. I guess the first question I have is, What's the definition of being happy? Do I yeah. know if I'm happy? Do I feel happy? Do I right. am I happy compared to other people? Right. Um, it's interesting that you would ask that because what we're finding is that there are different levels uh, or, or definitions of happiness, and what most people have defined as happiness up until now is what I call happy for good reason, and that's I'm happy because I'm happy because I have the job that I love, and I'm happy because I have a great family or I'm happy because I'm living in a beautiful home that I, that makes me comfortable or it's the happy because uh, and a lot of the books out there and in fact a lot of the research that's been done has focused on happy for good reason mm-hmm. what I'm talking about is another level it's that goes beyond happy for good reason and there's nothing wrong with happy for good reason the problem is it's just not lasting 
You know, it, you can lose any of those things, and then your happiness goes away if they're dependent on those things. So what I'm referring to as happiness is happy for no reason, and it's a state, it's a neurophysiological state of peace and well-being that goes beyond circumstances. So you may be angry amidst being uh, along a backdrop of happy for good reason. Happy for good reason says I carry this inner state with me. And no matter what happens in the world or what happens, I may have ups and downs and um, I maybe get angry. I may have go through, somebody may pass away and I go through grief. But amidst all of that, there is a backdrop of this happy for no reason. And, and it comes along with its own unique uh, neurophysiology. You have different brain uh, brainwave patterns. You have different heart rhythms and you have different um, biochemistry. And what I found is that the first very first step is even knowing that it's possible. You know, most people are in what I call survival mode. They're just trying to get by. Yep. And, and that's not, it, until you can see the vision of possibilities, of, of the ability to live in this, in this um, state of happy for no reason, you're not even going to go for it. So the first step is to be aware that it exists, that there are people who are living this unconditional happiness, and that it's something that you can live too. And this is so exciting. Um, about a little over a decade ago, it, were dis- it was discovered that we have what's called a happiness set point. Hmm. And what it is is it's a set range, really, that our happiness returns to. We might have really great things happen to us, and, but it, we tend to return to our same happiness set point. Um, this was discovered when, when they did research on people who won the lottery. And you'd think, oh, great, they win the lottery. My God, that's going to really raise their happiness level. Well, it did for a short period of time, maybe six months, and then it brought them back down. They, they returned again to their same happy, original happiness set point. And conversely, the same was true of people who became paraplegic. Within a short period of time, um, they returned to their, their regular happiness set point. And the happiness set point is 50% genetic, and 50% learned. So that's the exciting part. You can change the learned part of your happiness set point. So much like you would change the thermostat, um, you can actually raise your happiness set point. And when you raise your happiness set point, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You're just happier. So that's what the book is about. It's about how to raise your happiness set point. And, and there are seven steps to doing that. And, um, and I can briefly can you give, us a couple, give us a couple right now. Well, I'll just tell you, um, I, I did it in the in the terms of a of a an analogy because I know people can't remember seven steps easily. So I, I created an analogy to building a home. It's called building your home for happiness. And the seven steps: the first step of building a home is laying a foundation. The next four steps are putting up the four corner pillars. Then the the next step is cre- is creating the roof and then the garden. So the seven steps, the foundation or the starting point is to take ownership of your happiness, um, to know that it's possible. And I give three or four steps to doing that. And then the four pillars consist of the mind, the heart, the body, and the soul. So with the mind, uh, we teach people to examine their thoughts and not to believe everything they think because our mind is not always telling us the truth yep. and, and to get us over limiting beliefs. With the heart, we talk about letting love lead and gratitude and forgiveness and spreading love, love, loving kindness. With the body, we talk about how to make your cells happy, how to nourish your body and how to create the right brain chemistry and neurotransmitters for happiness. For the soul, we talk about plugging yourself into spirit and ways to do that. 
for the roof, we talk about living a life, living a life that's inspired by purpose, um, living a, a passion-filled, inspired life. And for the garden, we talk about how to surround yourself with nourishing relationships, much like you'd want to have a beautiful garden around you of, of nice plants. Your relationships are your garden. So those are the seven steps. And, I, uh, you know, we take people very sequentially through all seven steps because, honestly, you really need all seven in order to create um, a very lasting change in your life. Mm-hmm. Change does not come from just one arena. We come at it from a very holistic approach. Yeah. I say I have another hundred questions in my head, but I'll try and focus a couple. Okay. Where where did you find the people that are happy for no reason? What do they look like? Do I know some of them? Would I recognize them? The answer, How do you find them? Yeah, the answer is yes and no. Um, it was not, to be honest, it was not easy to find a hundred unconditionally happy people. I would go around and everywhere I'd ask, you know, my background was with the, I wrote six of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. I wrote the, uh, all the women's books in the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And so I have a great background in uh, interviewing and finding people with stories. And everywhere I would go, I would ask people, who's the happiest person you know? And it was interesting because their immediate response would, they'd come up with the most successful person they knew. And then they'd stop themselves and say, well, you know, John actually is really successful, but to be honest, he's not really that happy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the, the the problem is that we in our society are so much going after the, the the success because we think it's going to bring us happiness. It's the only reason we go after anything, mm-hmm. but we have it backwards. Success doesn't guarantee happiness, mm-hmm. but happiness does help guarantee success. Mm-hmm. Because when you're happier, you're vibrating. It's the law of attraction. It's the secret. You're vibrating at a higher level. And from that higher level, you can more easily draw into you what it is you're, you're wanting. So, um, so what I found is that I did actually, over time, come up with 100 deeply happy people. And there are some qualities of, of these unconditionally happy people or being happy for no reason. I'll just tell you a few of the qualities. They have a sense of lightness about them. There's a buoyancy to them. There's not this deep, heavy energy around them. Mm-hmm. They they feel alive. They feel vital. They feel energetic. They have a sense of flow or openness in their life. They're not pushing. They're they're in a feeling of ease. Mm-hmm. They feel love. Any actions? Like I know some people listening are probably very, well, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Yes, 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 yes. Well, mm-hmm. The very first step is to create an intention that that's what you want to do, that you intend over time to become happy for no reason. So you can write out a phrase that you, that you just look at every morning and every evening, every morning when you wake up and every evening before you go to sleep, that says, I'm grateful that I am experiencing more and more genuine happiness in my life. Mm-hmm. So, so your first step is that it, it's your intention. The second step would be to... Take responsibility for your own happiness. Find the ways in your life that you are acting like a victim. Um, a very simple thing that you can do, and victim, victimhood is the first robber of happiness. And some signs of being a victim are when you blame, when you complain, or when you feel shame or guilt or you make excuses. Mm-hmm. So for the next week, be aware of all of the times that you go into those kinds of victimhood behaviors. And I even play, suggest that people play a game with a buddy or with their family, that they put $2 in a bucket every time they find themselves um, 
going into this complaining or blaming or shame mode, complain, mm-hmm. blame, or shame mode. Mm-hmm. That, and at the end of the week, see, see if you have caught yourself doing that on a regular yeah. basis. When you catch yourself, that's the start of turning the behaviors around. But you have to be aware of them on yeah. a moment-to-moment basis. Yeah. Um, and then and the you- other thing that I always recommend that people do is that they – lean into what is working, that they focus on gratitude for the the ways that in the next 30 days, focus on gratitude for the ways that you are creating more happiness and joy in your life. Appreciate, um, register more the positive. We have what's called um, a negativity bias. It's a genetic thing that we always are, are, that the negative tends to make more of a deep impact than the positive. And what I say is reverse that negativity bias so that you have a positivity bias. Um, our minds tend to be Velcro for the negative. They stick to us, whereas our, they tend to be Teflon for the positive. The positive slips away. So reverse that, that tendency by, by registering the positive things that are happening in your life. I have one woman in my book who um, just has a little game that she plays with herself every day of giving out awards wherever she is. She does it just mentally. She looks for um, oh, what's the, the prettiest flower award today, and, and she'll mm-hmm. just notice in her environment, oh, that's, that's such a beautiful flower. I'm giving it the prettiest flower award. Mm-hmm. Or if she sees a dog on the street that's just like really feisty, she'll give it the feistiest dog of the day award. Mm-hmm. So she's got her radar out looking yeah. for registering the positive events in life. Yeah, I love it. Did you see any differences between men and women or young and old? Anything that popped up? Well, I definitely saw differences between men and women. Um, there are, I believe, biochemical differences. Um, I interviewed John Gray, who's uh, done so much work in, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and now he's finding that, that there are biochemical differences. The women tend to, under stress, for example, they, there's a syndrome called the tend and befriend syndrome. They create more of the chemical oxytocin, yeah. um, which helps reduce stress, and they do that through tending and befriending. So women uh, really, under stress and, and in the midst of change, really do do better having great support around them, whereas men actually... Uh, create more dopamine, which is the, the chemical they need uh, to feel better, um, through challenge, through being challenged by, by new and different things, and, and aren't as affected by the chemical oxytocin. So they're more, more, ch- more affected by the, the challenge of chemical, uh, of challenge, and whereas women are more affected by bonding or oxytocin. Right. One, one more question on this before okay. we get into uh, the first three days signature questions. Is there, um, is there any way of sort of predicting in the first 30 days of intending and making a commitment to be happy? What are some of the likely obstacles that are going to show up, the likely demons that are going to show up that are going to throw people off course? Yeah. Well, there's an old saying, you've probably heard it, that love brings up everything unlike itself. <laughs> yes. Be healed. Yes. So anytime you start on a new program of change, everything that's unlike that thing that you're wanting to change will pop up. And that's a good sign. It means that you're on the right track. Most people think, oh, it's a bad sign. It's not. If, if you're intending to be happy for no reason, everything unlike happiness will show up in, its, in your face. Mm-hmm. And that, instead of taking it as an obstacle, take it as a good sign that you're on the right track. That's but great. the key is, to, as the thing I started with in the beginning, to take small steps, 
so that you're, you don't, you, you won't resist the change as much. The smaller, there's a, a Japanese system called Kaizen, and it's a system of change that's based on small, steady steps. Mm-hmm. And it's because it allows you to, to fly under that fear radar. So, um, so just know that, that the resistances and the, the issues and the challenges will come up, and you can get through them better with more support and by leaning into the positive and registering the positive more. I love it. Thank you. This was wonderful. So our little uh, signature questions. What is the belief that you personally go to if there was one belief when you're in the midst of a change, life has thrown you a change because we all get our fair share, or you have personally committed to changing something in your life? Is there one belief, something that you say to yourself that is sort of your rock, your anchor? Yes. It goes back to that principle that I mentioned earlier, that the universe is out to support me. I really, in the midst of change, by far the biggest help is feeling the benevolent universe Mm -hmm. and expanding beyond my own limited fears and doubts and mm, limiting belief patterns. Um, What I've noticed is that everyone, every great person, you know, the people that we would all agree is they're great people, the Mother Teresas, the, the Martin Luther Kings, the, the great spiritual beings who've walked the face of the earth, they all say the same thing. They all say it's a loving universe. Yeah. And if they say it, it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I, in fact, I just want to say one other quote that I love by Einstein. Einstein, I believe, was just a very high being. And he said... There are only two ways to live life, or two ways, this paraphrase, two ways to look at life. One is as though nothing is a miracle, and one is as though everything is a miracle. Yep. Love that one, too. Yeah. Here's a phrase I want you to finish off. Okay. The best thing about change is? The best thing about change is that it moves me deeper and deeper into the the truth and love of who I am, into the truth of life and the love of who I am. Wonderful. And on that note, what, what do you think is the best change that you have ever made? Mm. The best change that I have ever made has been consistently choosing to listen to what my heart tells me, hmm. um, choosing to be moved by my inner voice of wisdom, uh, I wouldn't say it was any one change. I, I started on a spiritual path when I was 16 years old, when I started meditating, and perhaps that got me going in the direction of consistently choosing um, what will support and nourish me, my mind, body, heart, and soul. Yeah. It's a lovely change. Yeah. Um, Marcy... Total pleasure. I could keep talking to you for another couple of hours. Well, I, I, I would love that, and I know that we're limited in time, but I, I have a closing quote I would love to leave you all with. Absolutely. It's a beautiful quote by uh, an Indian um, saint from the 19th century named Sri Ramakrishna. Mm-hmm. He says, the winds of change, the winds of grace are always blowing. It is up to us to raise our sails. So my wish is that everyone raises their sails and starts the sail over the next 30 days to creating a great, great new life for themselves. Marcy, what a pleasure. 
Thank, thank you. God bless, and all the best with your upcoming book. Thank you. I'll be happy for no reason. I'll be uh, definitely one of the first in line to get it. Lovely, and it's been happy for good. I've been happy for good reason to talk with you today. So thank, thank you, you much. We'll be in touch. Yes, lovely. Take care, Marcy. Bye bye. Okay, you too. Bye bye. I've been speaking today with Marcy Shymoff. She is the best-selling author of Chicken Soup for the Woman's Soul and Chicken Soup for the Mother's Soul. I'm Ariane. Thanks for listening. And for more interesting and inspiring interviews, please visit us on our website at first30days.com. Thanks for listening to Change Nation from first30days.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes in the Society and Culture section under Philosophy. Make sure you take time to leave us feedback about the show. We'd love to know what you think. Change Nation is a production of First30Days.com. Copyright 2008. All rights reserved.